Welcome, everyone. That's my line. Sorry, I had to. Welcome, everyone, to the Coffee Theology and Jesus podcast. I am your host, as always, Tim Whitaker, joined here by my wonderful, beautiful um, 90s faux hawk co-host. Rob McMichael. There you are, Rob. Hello, how's it going? Good. I was watching a Hawk Nelson video the other day. Yeah, you're definitely Boom. rocking that haircut for sure. You like how it fades, right? I don't like any of it, to be honest. That's but fine. It is what it is. My wife likes it. That's all that really all matters. all that matters. It is good to see you, Rob. Good to see you. Um, you know, compared to our last episode, this is like a really quick one as far as turnaround time goes. Yeah. I think we, we may actually hit our schedule that we intended oh, to six be, months ago. That would be amazing. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, welcome in. Welcome in. Thank you for listening to this episode. It's going to be a pretty, I think, packed one for sure. There is just so much to talk about. Uh, we are drinking our favorite easy-to-make coffee, Dunkin' Donuts. Let's just call it what it is. Yeah. I know, I know we're, we're probably heretics in the coffee world for even having a podcast that has coffee in the name, but consistently has cheap-grade coffee. But you know what? <laughs> We're broke. You know what? Let's just call it what it is. It's better than Folgers. Better than Folgers. No, absolutely. I will agree with you on that, Rob. But it ain't better than much else. So, so, Rob, how you doing? Everything going well? Going well. It's busy. I got your invitation, by the way, for your daughter's birthday party. I can't make it. Why not? Well, that's not true. I can make it. I work eight to five. So, so I'll come after. Okay. But I've noticed, though, your birthday parties, all of your friends leave real early because they all have kids now. So like 7 o'clock, people are saying, oh, I got to go. My kid has to go to bed. I The one time I went out, I think it was to Elijah's uh, first, it was 7.30. The place was empty. I know. And that, that was when the real party started because right. then we were going to sit around the fire. Yeah. We are going to discuss, which is great for us because that's when our kids go to bed. Right. And then we can have a bonfire. So you are welcome to stay for that as long as you want. Yeah, you're too kind. I I can't picture having kids still. Is that crazy? No, that's not crazy. That's, I just that's can't, legitimate. I can't fathom having a child that I'm in charge of. It's a very surreal realization. Well, and I think my friends who are listening to this are probably saying you're right, Tim. You should not have a <laughs> Don't child. Don't worry. We can't think yes. about it either. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe one day, but Sarah wants one like three years ago, but we got time. I'm enjoying married life, truly. Married life for us has been wonderful. This, our first year was great. We're heading into year two super strong. I just don't want a kid. I, My sister always gave me the advice, learn how to be married before you throw kids in the mix. I, I think that's sound advice. And typically for most people, it's three years is a solid round number to learn how to be married. How long did you and Julia wait? Uh, around three years because Elijah's two will be married five years. Yeah, that's about right. So yeah, I'm cool waiting a couple of years for sure. So anyway, that, that's my little spiel for today. I'm I'm waiting to have children and I'm happy. That's why I can get things like more tattoos. That's right. That's right. That's why I don't have any tattoos. Should I talk about my most recent tattoo? Uh, only if you'd like to let all of our listeners know how much of a heretic you are. Well, it's true. Um, I did pull the trigger. I got my hand tattooed completely. Um, and I it's love so it. So it's so attractive, everyone. It's so attractive. Rob, we should actually kind. use it as the cover photo oh for this episode. <laughs> I think I'm going to do that. Wow. Well, that's up to you. Sarah said that my hotness factor did not go up at all. And I said, what the heck then? Why did I get a freaking hand tattoo? But hmm. 
I asked her, I said, so am I more attractive now? And she goes, no, nope, nope. actually less. No, she didn't say that. Uh-huh. She said, it's definitely, you know, hardcore, but not like an attractive kind. And I said, <laughs> well, well, will any tattoo anywhere make me more attractive to you? She goes, oh yeah, for sure. I said, how can my hand not be one of those places? It says, I don't care what society thinks. I'm tattooing my hand. How much more rebellious can I get? Face. No. Maybe. It would be more rebellious. Dude, the face is the worst. Sarah likes neck tattoos. Like front of the neck or back of the I neck? I think like the side. side, like prison style. I told her that. I said, I'm not getting prison tattoos. A neck tattoo, unless it's done super well, could not, it doesn't look good to me. Like I feel like either you have to have your whole neck covered or nothing at all. You can't have just like one little like, you know, fire flame coming up, <laughs> coming up like through your shirt. You know what I mean? Right, it can't like be a like that. arrow pointing towards your head. No, it has to say, I'm so committed. My, my neck, my throat, my, the other side of my neck is completely covered. I couldn't imagine getting a tattoo, let alone getting a tattoo on my neck. Like you should get tattoos. Like someone poking needles repeatedly in my neck. I Do you think it's wrong as a Christian to get tattoos? Honestly, for anyone else, I have a conviction against it. Okay. For anyone else, I can't. So speak it's to. almost kind of like like a drinking conviction for me. Where I, for me, I just don't think it's right. Correct. But I don't think it's wrong for other Christians to drink. Absolutely. Okay. So why don't you think you're you should get one? Like what? What's the conviction? Uh, that my body is a temple and I realize some people have convictions, different degrees of convictions on that same thing. Sure. And so there are some people that are like, well, yeah, my body is a temple and I tattooed the gospel on my arms. Hey, that's good for you. If that's, if you're using that for the gospel, Hey, by all means, I'm just not going to do it. But what if your temple is ugly like yours? Since you have to decorate a little bit, uh, I try. (laughs) That's why I do this hair thing. Yeah, the mohawk. <laughs> I wear sunglasses a lot. Do you think Julia will ever get tattoos? She has one. Oh, she does? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. <sighs> <laughs> is this a point of contention, Rob? No, it isn't. Is it, there's, is there's it so the word many... faith in Hebrew on the back of her neck? No, it's worse. Is it a little butterfly on her back calf? No, it, it's worse oh, than no. the Hebrew. Oh, it's the Japanese symbol. No, it's yeah. not. Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah, for truth. No, it is not. Or Chinese or I don't... It's one of those. You, you're kidding me. No, I'm not. It's the typical white girl <laughs> That's what tattoo. I was going to say. I I'll was, say it. I was going to say that. Are you serious? Yeah. In some like obscure place that no one can ever see? Correct. Wow. And John 17, 17 is written under it. What is the point though? Here's my thing. If you're going to get a tattoo... I want everyone to know I have a tattoo. I'm not wearing it for me or, or, or just for me. <laughs> this is a true story. A buddy at my work has a tattoo that has a, and his parents don't know about it for six years. He lives at home with them. He keeps a band aid over it for six what, years. What do they think? He was really bad with a razor? Well, it's, or? Not, it's, not, it's not on an arm. That's all I'll say. I don't want to give anything away to who it could be. Just for the sake of who knows what gets around, but I will say that it is not on his arm, and it's not like in the most like it, you you could see it if he wasn't wearing you know if, if he wasn't, if wearing, he wasn't pants wearing or something certain like articles that, you know? of clothing sure. But uh, I'm like, dude, why why have a tattoo when you ha-? he even covers it at work? Why have a tattoo when it's covered? I don't get that. I don't know. All right, a- end of rant. End of rant. I love tattoos. I'll probably get more. I love my hand Wait, tattoos. There there was a time where Julie and her mom were out shopping or whatever. And there was this guy, fully tattooed, like almost head-to-toe tattoos. Yeah. And her mom is one to stare at people occasionally. Oh. So she was staring, 
And Julia's like, Mom, stop. You're, you're staring at the guy. And she basically said exactly what you said. He got the tattoos to be noticed. Absolutely. So he's enjoying that I'm looking at it. I take no offense if someone looks at my tattoos or makes a, compl- or makes a compliment or, or not a compliment. Right. Yeah, I don't care. It doesn't bother me at all. I just love them. I think because deep down, this is true. I like, I like being a contradiction. Oh, I totally agree with that. You know what I mean? I love having a full... Left, my whole left arm is totally covered now from my hand up to my arm. Yet, you know, I'm part of my church. I have a podcast about Jesus. Your right arm is not covered whatsoever. Right. I just love that. Everything about that. Like, I know this sounds, this must sound crazy to some people, but I love the image of me and Sarah covered with tattoos and having a family. I'm like, that is so cool. Because you know why? You don't see that that often. You just don't see it. Hmm. Especially in the church. Especially in the church. God's holy people. And then hopefully... <laughs> <laughs> and then hopefully we want to be able to foster and adopt. So could you imagine that? Like we're just totally punked out people who love kids and aren't part of a church. I just love the, I don't think it adds any kind of like, it definitely does not add any, add any kind of morality to my life. I just think it's cool. I'm trying to think, have you seen the Facebook group Husband Revolution? Yes. He's uh, he's all tatted up, right? And he's got, he has gauges in That's his That's what ears. I'm saying, bro. Yeah. Break the stereotypes. That's all I can say. And they're they're great people. They are great people. His book is really good, actually. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's why I like being tattooed. Honestly, I know that sounds crazy. Maybe it's really dumb to some people. I understand that. I just love the idea of saying, "You see this hand tattoo? I'm going to win you over with my huge personality, and you're going to love it." Uh, if only that was the case. <laughs> wow. I'm only friends with you to try to help. No, you're only friends with me because you hope one day our podcast gets famous. No, that'll never happen. No, nah, you're right. You're right. I don't get crazy. <laughs> I, I don't I don't have hopes and dreams Speaking like that. Speaking of famous, let's continue the downward trend of our podcast. Let's talk about racism. That's I see how you jumped there. <laughs> I understand that. I want to talk about Charlottesville, okay? I've been thinking nonstop. You know how I go, Rob. I do not stop. I've been paying attention to all the pundits. I listen. I still listen to conservative talk radio almost every As day. As you should. And you know what? <laughs> you know why I do? I figured it out. I like the mental debate. It spurs. It spur, uh, spurs. Yeah, it spurs on in my head. I love that. I love driving and just debating the person on the radio and how ridiculously biased they are. That's why I listen to it. Right. It also lets me know like how they're, how that side is spinning certain things. That makes sense. That's fair. You know? So I listen to talk radio, of course, my Facebook, yada, yada, yada. Because the truth is somewhere in between the liberal and conservative. I would like to think so, but... Most most of the time. I don't, I don't even... The liberal, conservative, Antifa, Black Lives Matter, neo-Nazis, white supremacists, I feel like they're all getting lumped up into the same category, and I don't right. think that they should be. No, I, I agree I think, with you. Because, because I think that... That the that the movement that those movements have started from very different points. Correct. Like let's let's take the easy one, okay? Black Lives Matter did not start as, you know, the uh like a dominant worldview in a country and then it kind of got eradicated and now it's coming back. Black Lives Matter started because people in minority groups were being in my opinion, oppressed by some bad apples in the police force, a good amount of them, and also not getting justice because of it. And we still see that. A lot of those cops who have shot those people did not get any jail time, were not convicted. So I think Black Lives Matter came out of a movement of no one's listening to us. So maybe if we do silly things like riot and start fires, maybe we'll get attention. So, and again, I don't want to generalize. I'm not saying every person in that movement is bad because I think a lot of people 
are saying, please wake up. This is happening in our communities, and white America has turned a blind eye to it for a long, long time. So that's a very different story than than the KKK or you know the 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 origin story of where where they've come from. It's a whole different ballgame. And the the point of the groups is very different too. Go on. The the point of the neo Nazi groups and the white supremacist groups is to oppress a different ethnicity group. That's true. The point of Black Lives Matter is not to oppress white people, right? Or oppress Spanish people, right? But or, it's spun that way. Oh, absolutely. Conservatives, well, yeah, I'm going to call it like I see it. Conservative pundits, mainly the, the talk radio hosts, again, I listen to these guys every day, they spin it that way, though. They spin it like Black Lives Matter is some terrorist organization who's trying to take over America and enslave white people. I mean, that's how crazy they sound sometimes, but that's not the case at all, at all. That's a whole different story than the KKK. Which I liken it to, if you and I felt oppressed, we were living in this neighborhood, you and I felt oppressed, and so... We got together and we got a bunch of petitions signed and we went to town hall and we were like, you know, we just want our voices heard. And instead of listening to us, town hall said, hey, don't listen to Rob and Tim. They're terrorists. Um, They're really bad people. All they want to do is destroy your lives and take away all of your privileges. That would, one, either make us borderline suicidal or... It would make us really, really angry to the point that we didn't know what to, what else to do. Right. So riots would start. Yep. And I think that is part of the reason why Black Lives Matter is pegged with these riots, or because people are so angered by right. the right the rhetoric against them that they're right. like, well, what else can we do? Right. How because else can I prove to you that to we're not being heard? We're not being heard. Right. I agree. And some people who are listening might think that I'm giving them a pass. Maybe I am, but it comes out of a place of we're not being heard. We've seen our children killed. I mean, listen, this is a whole different discussion. We can go down the systematic oppression. Right. And Absolutely. there's a lot of evidence, man. Like, I mean, I'm sure you you want to share in a minute and, I, and I'll, I'll let you have the mic in a second here, but I've been just doing a lot of thinking, a lot of reading, a lot of re- researching, all this stuff. I am more and more convinced that that's, we've done a lot of things, even after the 70s, you know, that really have put minority groups in bad spots. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we really are, I, I think because of the sake of our pride, we're not willing to acknowledge that and try and make amends. We're too, we're too busy saying, well, I don't see color or, you know, we, we just use typical like, like uh, rhetoric lines that mean nothing or, oh, I'm, I'm not a racist though. That's not how I am. And that might be true, but the system that you're a part of is bent towards one group over the other. It just is. And we we see that let's just go back briefly and then I'll give you the mic I know you want to talk I'm sorry let's no, go back fine. let's go back briefly just to the all so many of these shootings of minority uh, uh, people being shot the one guy it was on Facebook live for crying out loud the like, officer just shot him in the chest three times those guys those cops are not getting jail time they're just not they're getting acquitted or they're getting whatever it is you know so even things like that if, if I was in that position I mean put yourself in their shoes imagine that your your whole history of your race being in this country was really loaded with oppression and slavery and a lot of other things and the system was really built against you in a lot of ways and all of a sudden the police of that country are shooting people of your race a lot of times recklessly when you're unarmed or they're they're choking you and you, and you say you can't breathe and, and you're you're getting killed and there's no justice there's nothing happening to these police officers how aggravated would you be very i, I totally can understand that predicament that people that minority groups are in right now yeah absolutely i and full disclosure two white guys sitting around a 
table in a predominantly white neighborhood can't really discuss the the levels of systematic racism yes, in our country. Right. We can try our best, but we I can speak for myself and I know where you grew up and your family. I can speak for you. Yep. We we've we don't know that side of things. We've almost been sheltered to it to a point. Yep. Um but yeah, I mean if we even go back to our law of the land, the constitution, all men are created equal except for if you're black. That's basically what they wrote because it wasn't until the Bill of Rights and later on the amendment that came forth and said, no, actually African-Americans are humans. It took a law for society to accept them as humans. Yeah. Before that, they were, what, five-eighths of a person? Right. Um, And so the, the system is and has been rigged against them. I mean, if you look back through... The statistics of after World War One, the GI bills were mainly given to white people. When the Louisiana Purchase was done, it was mainly white people, United Kingdom especially, descendants that were given property in the Louisiana Purchase and paid government programs to move their family down and they were given all of this stuff. And so the, the system for 300 years has been rigged to set up a white privilege kind of mentality. And that's hard for us to grasp and hard for us to really talk about because we're products of it without really seeing what brought it about. Right. It's really, on our end, it's almost unintentional. Absolutely. I was born into this. Right, right. And, uh, but it's kind of like once you take the red pill, right? Once you're, once you're aware of it, you can no longer be ignorant of it. And therefore you're complicit in it to a really big degree if you don't do anything about it or at least bring awareness to what's happening and start, you know, fighting for some kind of change in our, in our culture. But I want, let's bring this now to, um, yeah, which I get, I think that point that your last statement yes. brings it to our podcast. Right. Okay. So we're not historians. We're not right. versed on systematic racism. Right. A lot of what, this is really opinion, right? Right. Exactly. And so, what what can the church do to not be complacent? What can the church do to help in these relationships and these right? various circumstances that are happening what should our response be in the church well that's that's the million dollar question right and i will say a lot of churches that sunday including my own church made very direct comments that like what's happened what happened in charlottesville even let me add a quick side note even if that well we know that that thought is really that kind of pervasive thought and boldness is really a minority. I don't think I don't think many white people think that way and want to be neo Nazis and want to right, be part of the KKK, right? But it's still the fact that there are still even traces of it is still troubling, right? And when you're when you're bold enough to not have a hood on and to go protest with tiki torches and say things like blood and soil and make and really reference things that Hitler said, that's a problem. I don't care if it's ten people or a thousand or two hundred, it's or a problem. one person, right? It's a problem. So, um. You know, hearing churches come out the next day, I know Matt Chandler, uh, Matt Chandler did, I know my own pastor did, very direct, like, we, this is not good, this is not okay, this is, we condemn this in the strongest possible terms, you know? I think that's a really good start, I, I honestly do. Um, but I don't think it goes far enough, because what's happening now is, a lot of people, um, and I, I, you know, this is a, a church-based podcast, right? So my message is, is always directly to the church. It is to us, people who are part of the same kingdom. We, are, this is the what happens is now when because we're so deep in with 
right-wing evangelical political ideas, you are forced to double down and try and put blame on both sides to try and sound like you're still part of your own conservative base. But what that ends up doing is it really puts you into a corner because the bottom line is that you're taught, you're trying to defend a president who says there's blame on both sides. Well, even if, even if there was violence, which by the way, if you notice, it's pretty unprovable because it was, it was so chaotic. You don't know who started what. Could have been someone on one side over the other, right. for sure. But here's what we do know. We know that someone on the alt-right side ran their car into a crowd of people and killed someone. We know that. We know that that the that the protest was started by the alt-right. It wasn't like, you know, the um, Black Lives Matter movement was there and all of a sudden the alt-right shows up to counter-protest. This was their movement. So all that to say... I think that Christians need to really wake up to what ideology are we subscribing to, even though we're claiming to be followers of Jesus. This is where there's a humongous contradiction in the political ideology versus that basic theology of the Bible. Let's take it back to just very simple things. There are, what's the two most important commandments, Rob? What are they? Love God, love others. All right. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? That is 101 Christianity. I don't care if you're someone as um, infant-based, like a Trump kind of character, or if you're John Piper or whoever. We both we are going to agree that, yes, one Christianity 101 is those two things. If your African brother, African-American brother or neighbor is telling you, that, hey, I'm being oppressed, why aren't we listening? That's right. my question to us. Why are we listening? Why are we somehow like just saying, "Oh, well, this is not valid." Why are we saying, "No, no, no, you're not, you don't understand. There is no more racism in our country." Why are we shushing them when our brothers, not even our neighbor, not even our unchristian neighbor, but our own our brothers and sisters are saying, "No, I'm telling you, man, I've experienced this stuff firsthand. This really happens." Why are we not listening to them? That's my first question. The second question I have is love your neighbor as yourself. There are no qualifications. There are no um, ands, if, ands, ifs, or buts in that statement. It's love your neighbor. It doesn't matter what kind of neighbor they are. They, they can be a, a liberal neighbor, a Republican neighbor. They can be an atheist neighbor, a Muslim neighbor. It does not matter. The The gospel is so crystal clear on this that we are called to love our neighbor as ourself. So if we have people in our country who genuinely feel that they are still being oppressed and that the system is gamed against them, we have to listen. All political ideology aside, all, all of our personal views aside, the gospel does it doesn't make it doesn't have enough room for our personal views on this subject. It's right. very clear. It's so crystal clear. How are you loving your neighbor? If you're trying to shut them up and telling them telling them, hey, you're just crazy or hey, you're a big liberal, then you're missing the whole point of the gospel. But this is because, and I will say it till I'm blue in the face, I will say it on every podcast episode, I don't care. Because we have put political leaning above the gospel. We Absolutely. just have. Which is why we have people like Jerry Falwell trying to defend Donald Trump. Or Paula White went on this huge rant trying to defend our president. How we should be praying for our president. But when it's Obama, no Christians calling for us to be on our knees praying for our president. It's not consistent. And it's so aggravating. Because we've taken the gospel. We've twisted it. We've injected it into a politicized culture and said, oh, the gospel must be a right-wing mainstream evangelical to really be a true Christian. And that's a load of malarkey. A load of malarkey. That's my long rant on that. Slash and rant. I'm sure I'll pick it back up in a few minutes. Well, it was uh, good. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Like, I feel frustrated. Like, I get aggravated. I don't get it. I don't get it. 
I do not get, it drives me bonkers because I'm just wired that way. I'm just, I'm wired naturally a very black and white person. If the gospel should be the most important thing that, that drives our lives and the gospel and the words of Jesus himself tell us to love the poor, tell us to love our enemies. Why do we fight for ideologies that are totally anti that? And then what happens is this. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to answer the questions that people are streaming right now into the speakers. <laughs> well, Tim, this is a government. This is a government. This is a government. Aha. I thought about this. Both sides like to take Christianity and put their spin on it for governments. Because here's what will happen. The conservative will say, well, Tim, Romans 13, doesn't the government bear the sword not for nothing? The government is God's institute, blah, 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 blah. And then the left-wing guy will say, but doesn't Jesus say to love the poor? We should expand welfare. And I say malarkey to both of that because the Correct. church, first off, should be the one who's taking care of the poor, but we're not, which is why we have the state. So if the church stepped up and did their job since day one anyway, you wouldn't have this huge need for welfare because think about the ratio of how many church buildings are in a, a, a given area, especially in the Bible Belt. They're everywhere. There are enough people in the church to take care of their neighbor, but we don't. The other side of that is I think that's a I think taking Romans 13 and trying to justify the government being really a bully and a tyrant in the name of quote unquote freedom is pretty garbage. You know why? Because it doesn't work for any other government that we disagree with. Right. No Christian tries to justify North Korea's government with that Bible verse. Oh, but Tim, North Korea's government, the Bible makes it clear that all governments <laughs> are put in place by God. No one says that. But America, well, we're the ones fighting on the good side. I have a newsflash for those people. We are not always fighting on the good side. No. Nope. That's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. A lot of, We are always in war. Ever notice that? There's always a war. We don't hear from ISIS, then it's North Korea. We don't hear from North Korea, now it's Afghanistan. We have to be fighting somewhere or someone somewhere because our economy runs on war. That's, how, that's what it does. So I'm just not convinced that taking what I would consider holy scripture and twisting it and putting it in either ideology is really a good idea for any Christian. Take the Bible for what it is, get your local church together, take that as your responsibility to live out the gospel by loving your neighbor, taking care of the poor, taking care of the orphan and the widow, and go do it. Go do it. So, and and I 100% agree, because as we've stated before, we state all the time, Christ was not a political figure. He right. wasn't running for office. He wasn't trying to overthrow Caesar. They thought he was. They thought he was. <laughs> Ironically. But because he had such a following and people were so passionate and they wanted to follow his teachings, they were like, this man's going to gun for office because, look, he's building a following. But he's like, no, I'm, I'm doing something much bigger than that. Right. I don't, I don't want to just rule this little Roman world that you've created. Right. Here. I want to rule the entire thing. And he will one day. But he, he wanted to use those people to speak volumes. I mean, that's what God has always been about. That's why he chose the nation of Israel. It wasn't anything about them. He just said, this is the people I'm going to use to spread my name and to show my glory to the world around. Yep. And when they failed to do that was when there was judgments and things that happened to the nation of Israel because they weren't fulfilling their duty. God had given them a special place, had called them, given them special privileges, and they didn't uphold the duty that they were called to to shed forth his name. I can't help thinking the church is very much like that. We we harp on Israel. I mean, if you go to any church service, we, oh, oh, it was Israel. If they could only have been like us. Yes, right. And ignored all of the commandments of Jesus. Right. And so, it, yeah, we... Me personally, I don't get involved in politics, but that doesn't mean that I'm not involved in the same things that some political leaders are involved in. Whereas 
when you were talking, I was I was wondering to myself, okay, so if churches in that area knew that these neo-Nazis, they obviously got a permit, so it was public knowledge that they had yeah. the right to whatever. Right. Um, freedom of speech, I understand that. 100%. But why wasn't the church out there saying, no, this ideology is wrong? Instead, they were like, well, Black Lives Matter can do it or Antifa can do it, or whoever, whatever right. group can come. Right. If the church stepped up and did, and denounced them and said, no, we're going to stand with those in our community that you are trying to oppress, I think there would have been a whole lot less violence, and maybe some lives could have been spared, because yeah. the church stepped up and loved their neighbor. I, I mean, I think you're right. I think another big side of this, that this is not a popular culture, uh, popular culture opinion, but as Christians, we are called to love even the KKK guy. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how do you love that guy, right? And I read an article about, there was some dude, I, I don't have his name off the top of my head, but uh, he was an African-American man, and his his whole life he converted neo-Nazis because he would approach them and say, tell me to my face why you hate me, and how can you hate me if you don't even know who I am? And through the power of conversation and dialogue, they would convert from KKK supremacists to hopefully somewhat normal guys and he would take their robe as like a souvenir of all the people that he's converted he has just tons of robes in his house and I, I saw that and I said man the power of conversation is so lost in our culture it really is because you just have two sides screaming at each other you know and I don't want to keep I don't want to get down the political rabbit hole too deep on this podcast because pundits can argue about it but the, my personal view is free speech is free speech right. no matter how uncomfortable it is and we have to have that for the sake of everyone but you really that when you have someone one on one and you say you need to tell me why you hate me and then you talk through and you point out why that makes no sense you your success rate is so much higher than protesting with with a little sign with a little catch you know catch uh, phrase slot, uh, sign that says whatever that's not that doesn't do much good it doesn't do anything you know what i mean i just think that that the church has a real opportunity to go to those people and say we want to engage you and also go to black lives matter and say let's have a conversation how can we support you you know how are you not feeling hurt or go to antifa have the same conversation how can we help you what do you need at least we can say that we're trying to build the or build bridges because i think the enemy doesn't like bridges i think that when it comes to satan and how he works the more divisive he can oh, get absolutely. even even from people who think that maybe they're trying to be good by denouncing hate right the more divisive people get the more he likes it right so the more people are digging in the sand and just protesting and not trying to bridge uh the gap and trying to you know almost let kind of like the marketplace of ideology so to speak kind of have you know or the marketplace i guess you know just kind of have like um the final say on, on what's a acceptable ideology or not we just get into our own ruts of like we just don't want to listen to anyone so i think that's going to be part of this conversation as well that the church has an opportunity to shine a light on and say well no our gospel compels us to offer grace to everyone even the ones that are the most reviled in our society you know which for me is someone like a kkk supremacist and to a point i i don't want this comment to be misunderstood but to a point i'm glad that these rallies are happening and that the circumstances in our country are allowing these people to come out from where they've been hiding for the past many years. Right. Because in them coming out, obviously I denounce all violence and hatred and all of that that comes out of it, but them coming out of the woodwork brings them out of that, that realm of secrecy where 
okay, all they're listening to is the same rhetoric. They're being brainwashed over and over and over. And those polls are just being dug deeper and pounded deeper and deeper, deeper. Where when they come out into the light, if they were met with something that was so much different than what they've been trained to think, if they were met with like that man who would go and just have a conversation with them and show, listen, everything they've been telling you for the past 25 years of your life is completely false. You don't even know me. Get to know me. You'll actually probably like me. And he's converted people like that because he he's brought them out from the the secrecy that they've been hiding in yeah and is converting them that way and like you've said the these hate groups and these rallies and these protests that have been happening is only further dividing us and it's only further separating us which is what they want yeah absolutely. that's the ironic part you know that's exactly what people like that want anyway they the more divided we get the the you know the, the the bigger we fall I guess you know I mean it doesn't make any sense and when they're when they're met with someone else that comes out with guns and is in their face and yelling that only heightens what they're what they're believing that only increases if they were met with love if the church was out there meeting them with love I think there would be a totally different tune and we would be able to dispel those things and say look your whole ide- ideology is wrong. And we would be able to denounce those things. And you're not going to eradicate it. People are still going to um, get into those things. And they're still right. going to believe that. And some people you're just not going to change. But yeah. I think for the vast majority, we would be able to win a lot of people from all sides if we were just doing what God commanded us. Right. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think a, a big side of this as well is... I don't think that Christians realize how a lot of this is is like fueled by a really twisted version of our own faith. Mm-hmm. Big time. Big time. I mean, Westboro Baptist Church is easy to point out, right? But these guys have a very dark undertone of, of some... I mean, I even hate to use the word Christianity because it, it's not that. But they, they try and justify a lot of their ideology by scripture, by the Bible. And it, it's terrifying because it's so, it's so blatantly wrong. It's so clear how they twist everything. But... You know, this kind of reminds me of. I know for a long time, a lot of people, uh, when it came to Islam, would say, "Well, why don't why don't more uh, Muslim people uh, denounce these terrorists? You know, and, and denounce you know the twisting of their faith." But when it comes to our own faith, we're not we don't denounce it either. I don't really see a lot of. It's it's not very common to have a pastor say, "Oh, this is no, the, the, this is our faith and it's being twisted." It's. I mean, they kind of assume that we know that, but it's not really said too blatantly, which I kind of find a little ironic, you know. But I did some digging because. The internet's a dark place. And I, I wanted to know, like, how are people in some of these groups really spinning this stuff? And, you know, I, I think one of the one of the downsides of the internet is that things can seem much more widespread than they really are as well. Like, I right. feel like when Charlottesville happened, because my feed was so full of it, I felt like it, the march was like 4,000 people, you know, or 1 million people, but it was really 200 people. You know what I mean? So right. that's kind of one of the unintentional like consequences of sharing everything. But there are websites out there that are are crazy like they're just crazy dark and they use christianity and they use the the bible to try and justify their racism you know and their their like white nationalist movement there's a website i'm not going to give the name because they don't deserve any credit but they have a whole article about um 
it's called a brief debunking of modern heresies. And it's this guy just going through saying how how really, you know, mainstream Christianity is so far off and it's just, you know, it's terrible, but real Christianity is all about, you know, why the white man is dominant. And it's it's so crazy because J- Jesus was not a white man, so right. it like blows my mind, you know. But there's a big undertone of that. There's another website, even worse, that I don't want to give the name because a lot of the stuff is inappropriate on it, but it's a very like male, like, uh, like, um, chauvinistic kind of like, you know, here's how you get girls and like as men, we're the dominant ones, but they have articles on like Christianity, but they're so twisted and dark and terrible. Then the next page, they have a picture of a half naked girl calling her inappropriate names and how to get one in your bed the next night. So, but we're okay. We, we don't say anything about this, you know, like, cause I think part of it is that we don't know. I don't think many people know that, that there are I these websites. I didn't know those existed. They do. But the other part too is that I think that, I mean, this is the the combination of like when you start politicizing or start kind of twisting any faith, it can end up in these extreme versions of it. And where it will. It, it, gets, it, it becomes a white nationalistic Christian movement, which is a one long oxymoron, but they pull from their faith to justify some of these crazy ideologies that are nuts. I mean, they're so nuts. Some of these websites, Rob, are just like, they're, you wonder, who are these people? Like, who are, and who are these subscribers who post these terrible comments? You know, it's crazy, but they're in our own faith. So I'm not concerned about, you know, right now, like, you know, Muslims. I'm not really concerned about, like, Jewish people. I'm concerned about people in our own faith who are, like, well, who are trying to be in their own faith, who are saying that, yeah, I'm a Christian, but really they're completely twisted and demented and they have nothing to do with Christianity, but they're using our name as a way to fuel their ideology. That's what scares me the most. Right, and I, like I, the point I was just making, I'm glad that, these websites and these people are coming out into the open because then we can like like you said i i didn't know any of these people existed so how could i denounce them but now that i know they exist we can clearly state hey this is completely wrong 100 percent unbiblical um all of these people should be denounced their actions should be put aside like don't but i'm glad they're coming out yeah because once it's brought into the light then their deeds are made manifest. Right. 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 And I, I also want to be clear here as well. I mean, I don't I don't think that that the, the the capital C church is somehow inherently like, you know, racist or like wants to fuel any kind of negative ideology. Even people who voted for Trump, I don't think, you know, are like these terrible human beings. I mean, I understand like the mindsets that go into this stuff, you know, so I'm not trying to come down super hard on like my own faith here. That, that isn't the goal. But my goal is to wake people up to say that if you're, if you find yourself constantly defending views that are not in sync with like a Christian worldview as far as like the Gospels, then you have to reprioritize what you view as most important. Because if the most important thing to you is to defend Trump and why he's such a great guy, and you know, and why you need to pray for him, and why you know he's a good Christian man, you have to really rethink what your what what your main focus is. You know, if your focus is calling out the quote-unquote fake news and just being a, literally a talking head for a guy who's so hard to defend in so many different ways, especially as a Christian, you have to rethink like what's your number one priority? Is it the gospel or is it political is it your political agenda? That's that's for me I think is what I'm trying to say overall. Like I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm not that's not isn't the point. The point is that you need to really reorganize your thoughts and see gospel lens before the political lens it can't be the other way around and i i think this has been a church problem since jerusalem when the church was instituted 
So you remember the Apostle Paul. A lot of his writings were about, hey, guess what? You're the church now. It's Jew and Gentile. I would think that the Jews were probably one of the most racist people in that time, especially like the Pharisees and the Sadducees who looked down on the Gentiles as, oh, we can't even associate with them. I mean, look at the Samaritans. They were half Jews and weren't even accepted. And Paul wrote so strongly about, no, there is no Jew or Gentile now. This is the body of Christ. You are one together. Right. And so the church really has been dealing with this issue of overcoming political or even religious backgrounds um, and seeing ourselves as one. So it's not a it's not really a new issue. It's just changed colors, changed um, nationalities, changed ethnicities, whatever you want to call it. But we still have to look at the scriptures and refocus and say, okay, no, we are one. And if we're one, then what does that mean? Right. If parts of the body are hurting, why aren't we helping? Right. If parts of what the are you, body casting crowns, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying though, yeah, like if absolutely. parts of the body are saying, "Hey, like we're we're we think we're being oppressed here," you got to listen. That should be a wake up call, not a "Whoa, no, you're being crazy." Oh, racism ended years ago. No, that's not how this works. That's not, that isn't how this works. We're not called to be part of the world, right? We're in the world, but we're not of the world. The world says that, but what do we say as Christians? Where's the listening? <laughs> you know, where's the empathy? Where is it? Well, I think we're just so overshadowed. You know, like our, our, it's not just Christians. Our whole culture is so politicized. I mean, everything is so politicized. If I, if I say, let's take care of the planet, people just assume that I'm leaning left. Right. That's how politicized we are. I can't say anything that, that's even objectively a good statement. Hey, we should not pollute. Oh, you must be left Oh, you leaned hard. Right, right. Or if I say we shouldn't be in debt as a country, oh, you must be conservative. Like, these are just blanket statements that make sense to anyone hopefully with a head on you know like we shouldn't pollute our planet and we probably shouldn't be in debt as a country as much as possible because eventually you owe the money so eventually they're going to want to collect right but somehow those are politicized things right so it's interesting to me that i i don't think it's intentional but we really let that that politic politicization 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 the, the word with the P yes. means politics. That's the one. Yes, thank you, Rob. You see how smart we are here on the yeah. air. Um, we've allowed that, though, to seep into church culture over the years. It hasn't been overnight. But I think since the Jerry Falwell kind of movement, the Reagan era, so to speak, that's really ignited you know, this like, well, Christians should be in politics, which in theory is a good idea until your platform becomes like two issues. <laughs> Abortion and gay people right. and guns. It's like, uh, is there anything else to the gospel that we should be taking care of? No. Not the planet. Well, we should, but not the way that liberals want to. They're too crazy. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, like we really boiled down. We, we pretty much said, like, the gospel. Christians care about, like, three things in the whole world. Guns, abortion, and gay people not getting married. And that's it. And it's like, dude, like, what a, what a simplistic view of our own faith. It's much more complex than that. Yeah. What about uh, spreading the gospel? Nope. No, not... Uh, well, if, no, you can. It just that's a private thing. You see, what what what's right. happened is that there's been like public 
policy, then there's private policy, right? So the Christian, as a private citizen, of course, should always preach the gospel. And of course, fight for your rights. I mean, it's all about fighting for your rights. But as a nation, we should not have these things going on in our culture. So it's only been those three issues. Like when it comes to greed, well, we all kind of benefit from a greedy culture because we can get things for cheap and the free market wins and we can live in big houses. And we don't have to care about the people maybe in sweatshops who make our clothes because we don't see that impact. That's not a gospel issue, though, according to a mainline evangelical. But gays getting married is a matter of policy. Yeah. So it's very it's very inconsistent and I like consistency in my worldview personally, hmm. you know, but I'm just saying though, you know what I mean? Like we don't really we don't care about that kind of stuff. We don't care about companies well we do. I'm sorry. Let me, let me backtrack. People will say that, that that yes, that's wrong, but it's not it's not wrong enough to push for a policy change, right? Right, because as a as a uh, as a company, of course, you have your you can do your own thing because you live in a free country, and if any government tries to regulate you, well, that's just socialist. Off right right away. I mean, if we say you have to have fire exits in your building, that's a socialist government in, uh, encroaching on your freedom. You see how crazy that is, though. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no, no level of sanity. There's just no level of cra- of, of sanity. It drives but me nuts. We, but we can dictate what goes on in your personal life. Right. Right. Because that's against the Bible. That's it. Well, that's that's exactly the point. Now, abortion is a whole different issue, which we already talked about, so I'm not going to go into it. Right. But in the case of like homosexuality or whatever else, you know, it's it's like, why? Like, why do we care? Why? Why? It's is it not a free country? Do you not have a right to do what you want as an American citizen? This should not be a matter of like the church should not be involved in the world's issues when it comes to things like that. Because here's the thing: the world's always doing stuff like that. That's just how it is since day one. That's just how it is. People do really crazy stuff, no matter what it is. Like back in the day when we people used to kill babies to give them to false gods on a on a burning altar. I mean, that's crazy, you know. But it just really comes down to I think Christians knowing like if we're here. Let's be salt in the world. Let, like, let's preserve. Let's bring out the good. Let's be agents of that kind of change. Not everything that we're against. Right. But now we're back down the politicized route. So we always end up here. I don't mean to, but we do. And I, I think it's because, like we've we state all the time, because Christianity has become itself almost a political party. Yeah, I think you're right. And. You and I, I think, both agree that that is the wrong approach to Christianity. Yeah. If, you're, if your Christianity is defined by your politics, then you're following the wrong person. The reason why I'm so involved is to try and pull people out, not to be deeper in. I'm yeah. not advocating for policy changes, Christians. I'm trying to get people to wake up like you're involved in the wrong thing. Like, change the focus, you know? So, I mean, all I have to say, bringing it back to, to, to just Charlottesville and our whole state of affairs where we're at. It definitely is crazy. It's definitely sad. It's a little disturbing on a lot of different levels, you know. Um, but let me ask you this, though, Rob. What do you think about, like, that uh, that group, uh, what are they called, Antifa? Or Antifa, however you say it. What do you think about them? Are you worried about them as well? So, I'll be 100% crystal clear and honest. I don't know enough to make a very definitive statement. Yeah. All that I know is what I've heard second-handedly from the media fake news (laughs) i don't know what i can believe or what i can't i haven't looked into them as an organization all i know is what i've heard and it's like hey they're really against violence and that's what they're about they're really for violence yeah yes that's what i meant to say yes so 
Am I afraid that they're going to come raid my house? They're not organized no. enough. And once again, I'm not worried about them. I'm worried about the people who had power, who lost power, and I want power again. Right. I'm worried about David Duke, who uses, who thanked Trump for defending him. Listen, dude, when you have a guy from the KKK thanking you as president for defending your, you as a person, you know you're doing it wrong. Bottom line. Right. That's what scares That's me. That's not the support you want. Right. And people try and make it seem like, oh, like Antifa is super violent, but so is whatever else. But the KKK, like that that's old news. Like everyone everyone's against that. It's like, well, that might be true, but when people from the KKK are, are saying our president's policies have inspired us, you gotta re examine it. You just gotta rethink it a little bit. You just have to. You just have to. It 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 is it is inappropriate. To be president of the United States, to have a guy from the KKK say, thanks for defending me, and you're not saying, are you crazy? Like, I want nothing to do with you as a human, because you stand for literally everything this country is is for. The country is should be for, like you said, all men are created equal, right, in theory, right? And David Duke does not, doesn't believe that, so. And and to be clear, on a, on a bigger picture uh, level, I think... We, we harp on Trump a lot because he doesn't stand up for what we think he should be as a president of the United States. But if he wasn't elected, I think they would have pushed someone else. It, it, they, weren't, they weren't so concerned about the person. They were concerned about, hey, we need to get someone back in power right. that symbolizes us. Right. And so the David Dukes and the neo-Nazis and the white supremacists and right. whatever, they were just pushing someone up that they could use as a puppet. Right. So they don't really care about Trump. They, they couldn't, they really have no idea about his policies. They don't care about him as a person. I mean, because if you actually looked at Trump and his business dealings and how he's treated people, I would say as a person, he's better than, the, than his portrayed. Would sure. you agree with that? Yeah, I, I believe so. I mean, honestly, before he ran for president, I didn't really... I mean, I know who, who Trump was, but whatever. But I think the reason they picked him was because he's more concerned about pleasing everyone or who's in his face right then right. than he is with getting things right. So he was pushed to the surface just out of necessity of the groups that were pushing him. And so I think if if it wasn't Trump, it would have been someone as easily swayed as him. That's true. But the reason why I'm I'm hard on Trump is because Christians defend him. Right. Absolutely. That's, that's what. That's why I'm so critical of him. Honestly, because so many Christians think that he's a good guy. People call him a, Paul the White. Recently came back out. No, he's definitely a Christian. What fruit are you looking at? There right. is none. From the way he handles himself, the way he talks about women, still he's made comments, in, even in the uh, even in the Oval Office about reporters. I mean, he does not handle himself well at all. He does lie. I don't care how you. He, he, all bias aside, aside, he says things that are not true. He just right. does. Like it's not. I'm not being politically biased. He lies. He says things that are not true, like any politician. But he's more brazen about it, and he doubles right. down. Absolutely, he doubles down on it. So there is there is nothing that that symbolizes in any sense of the word that he has any kind of Christian fruit. So to see so many Christians defending him and really thinking that, that he's a God, a literal godsend to save our nation, I mean, I, I don't have words for that. Right. Yeah, like what, what, are, what are you guys breathing is what I want to know because what are you talking about? You can't, there's nothing you can point to. You cannot point to scripture. You can't point to any word of Jesus and go, see, Trump's for that. You just can't do it. 
You just can't because his life doesn't mimic any of that. Right. His life is not is not a life of simplicity. His life is not a life of 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 really it's it's a life of greed. He built a whole empire on greed. That's what he built an empire on. Mm-hmm. So I I don't. Yeah, I, I don't want to ramble, but the point is, is that I don't understand why Christians defend him because you, you, he's indefensible as a Christian. I'm not right. saying as a politician you can't defend him for sure. Right. And if Christian, if people said that, listen, I don't like him as a Christian guy because he's not a Christian. But, but as I a like politician, right? Or whatever. I would give you more respect for that than no, no. He's a good Christian guy. Like he's a guy that God elected. I would rather you just be honest and say, listen, here's the bottom line: he's not a moral dude. He's not a good guy. He's not a Christian, but you know what? Over Hillary, I I, I just I, I pulled the trigger. That's a more defensible statement than no, no. Like this is a good Christian man who wants to do what God's will for our country, and I had I believe in him hundred percent that God anointed him to lead our country. Like, but not on. Obama. Not no no no. God only anoints leaders that are Republicans. Right. Reagan, Bush, both of them. Both of them, and now Trump. But Clinton, well, we all know what Clinton did like 20 years ago in the Oval Office. We can't let anyone forget about that no, still. obviously not. And we know that, you know, Obama, huh, I mean, what did he do? A bunch of nothing, right? And he's probably from Kenya. Yeah. He's right? not even born here. No, of course not. And he liked, he, he's, a, he's a Muslim sympathizer completely, clearly. Uh, but Trump has got, you know, it, it makes, it's so inconsistent. It makes no sense. So that's kind of where I'm at with all this. Like, I, I'm just fed up, and I don't care if I sound like a broken record, because I'll, I'll, I have to keep saying it because no one's changed, people aren't changing their views on this. Right. So, not that I really have a lot of sway. I don't think I do, you know, but it feels good to get it out because it's very frustrating to watch my own faith just kneel at the altar of power, really. That's what it is. It's a, it's a power trip. We want prayer back in public schools, we want to be. A Christian nation. It's like it's reminds me of when the Israelites be- begged God for a physical king. That's what it reminds it, me of. It didn't work out too well for them, right? But the Israelites were dumb because we can look back on their story. Yeah, but we're smart. Yeah, but we're much better than them. <laughs> but I, it's funny you brought up Israel and King Saul because we've been kind of going through the life of David in our church recently, and. One of the things that I really appreciated about David was his reverence for Saul. And not as a person. He really didn't give defenses about Saul's person. Because Saul was not a great man. Saul did a lot of things that were terrible. He, When David was anointed as the next king, he sought to kill him day and night and just went after him. And he never... Saul was never one that ever sought the will of God like we see David seeking the will of God throughout his life. But when it came to Saul's death, David wasn't rejoicing in the streets and like, oh man, finally that guy's dead and I didn't have to do it and now I can finally be king because God told me I was going to be. He was he was genuinely mournful about Saul's death and he, he went over some of the victories that Saul had in his death. So it he may not have appreciated, he may not have agreed with the person Saul, but he honored the position that Saul was in. I think if we as the church took that framework and applied it to our presidents, our leaders, our political representatives, okay, I may not agree with the person that's there, but I should have reverence for the position. So like you were saying, calling for praying for President Trump. Yeah, absolutely. But I remember us calling out, why aren't we praying for President Obama? Why isn't that a national thing that 
hey, on Wednesday, this Wednesday at church, we should really be praying for Obama. But those are the things that we should be doing for every political leader. Because, okay, scripture is pretty clear. They are ordained. They are in that position by God. So let's honor the position that they're in. We don't have to agree with the person, but we do have to honor a position and pray for them in that way. Listen, I can't say any, I couldn't have said it any better or more politely. So <laughs> you're right. I'll have to submit to your, uh, your wise words here. So I don't have much more to add to that. That, that was great. So <sighs> do we have anything else on to tie? I just feel so much better. You know, like good. when you have like a big, like, you know, I don't know. Like you got to go to the bathroom real bad and yeah. it just finally all comes out. Yeah. It's like one of those moments. Where after like a couple days of not not right. feeling satisfied. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nope. This was like that. From day one, I'm like, oh my gosh, so much to say. How do I get these words out in order? Hopefully, I was somewhat coherent because, man, these were in my head for a, these thoughts were in my head for a long time, you know, going nuts. So I don't have much more to add than that. I think we gave our audience plenty of things to mull on and so, argue with us about because we please. probably said some. Hey, very debatable topic. I'm all about the statements. debate. I take no offense. So I appreciate everyone listening into this episode. Um, as always, you can leave us a Facebook comment and tell us how wrong we are or how right. Um, I prefer the right ones because we delete the wrong ones. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we don't want that negativity in no, our lives. No, 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 no. Um, Rob, what's our email address? Uh, podcast at coffeetheologyandjesus.com. Cool. So you can always email us uh, for another topic to discuss. If you're interested on about coming on the podcast, also send us an email. We'll try and get you on if you're interested. That's all I got, though. How about you, Rob? No, I think we summed it up good. I think we uh, we definitely want input on this topic, though. Yes. I don't think this topic is going away. No. And I don't think it's the last time we're going to talk about it. Great point. Um, I think we'd like to get some other guests on here to really fill in the gaps where we're not knowledgeable definitely um so if you feel like you're one of those people definitely send us a uh if you have been subject to systematic racism yes him and i have not we have not we would love to talk to somebody that has been yes um, so yeah that's all i got cool well thanks for listening everyone enjoy the rest of your day night evening week. whatever it is it keeps on growing and taking form until it finally turns into